memos worried about whether or not the Wookiee should have pants. They're looking at this thing and saying, couldn't he have some later hosen? And I thought, isn't this great, you know? Of all the things to worry about, the Wookiee has no pants. everybody welcome to the force of course the bite-sized star wars podcast i'm your host ted and i go to that sketchy fifth dentist that probably explains quite a bit uh now this week we find ourselves in a weird spot because there's no new star wars to talk about as far as an ongoing series or movie or what have you so i've got some spare time sure there are comics coming out all the time but i don't i don't want to get bogged down in covering those in depth because it's a lot of deep cut info that i would have to take in and then divulge out to you and it's a mess. So we have a little more time to have some fun and do something weird this week. And something weird is exactly what I have planned for you. But first, it's time for the Force of Course News of the Week. Not only has the Andor series finished filming, but the Obi-Wan Kenobi series has finished filming as well and is set to release early 2022. It's also been confirmed that it is, in fact, a six-part miniseries, which I had heard early on, but the number kept changing from four to six and back and forth. Uh, but now we know we can expect six episodes of Obi-Wan greatness. Kira, Han Solo's first love, who was portrayed by the adorable Amelia Clark in uh, Solo, A Star Wars Story, is being heavily featured in the upcoming Marvel comic series Star Wars Crimson Reign. R-E-I-G-N. Not R-A-I-N. It's not like a sequel to Purple Rain. A five-issue run, Crimson Rain is said to focus on Kira as the leader of the Crimson Dawn and reshape the history of Star Wars during the Age of Rebellion. So that could be cool. The series will pick up after the events of the War of the Bounty Hunters run and will debut in November of this year. I covered this before, but this is a friendly reminder that as this episode airs on Tuesday... Tomorrow, Wednesday, August 25th, is the launch date for the Disney Gallery deep dive into the season two finale of The Mandalorian. It promises to tell how they brought a young Luke Skywalker to life in that episode. Um, I love this kind of behind the scenes stuff and personally cannot wait to see this. Taika Watiti has rapped on Thor Love and Thunder and he's cleared to begin work full time on his Star Wars film project. He stated that the script is still in the early stages, but the story is fairly well hammered out and, quote, feels very me, unquote. I don't know what that means, but I'm here for it. We have quite a bit of Visions news this week with a full trailer being released and the confirmation of nine episodes. The titles have been released and they are as follows. The Duel, Tatooine Rhapsody, The Twins, The Village Bride, The Ninth Jedi, To Be One, which sounds like a droid name, The Elder, Lopin Ocho, and finally, Akakiri. It's rumored that this will be a full dump on the 22nd, and as much as I enjoy a good full dump most of the time, I'd rather see these release weekly. I just know I'm going to 
binge it all in one shot, and then who knows how long I have to wait for any new Star Wars content. I'm assuming it'll be Christmas with the release of the Book of Boba Fett. Visions will be released in the original Japanese format as well as an English dub version, and some of the names you may recognize from the English dub version are as follows. Lucy Liu, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Bobby Moynihan, Tamara Morrison, who is reprising his role as Boba Fett, Neil Patrick Harris, Alison Brie, and George Takei. If you haven't checked out the trailer yet, I highly recommend you do. It's about two minutes long and chock full of what promises to be the perfect marriage of Star Wars and anime. And that concludes this episode of the Force of Course News of the Week. Hey, you know what we haven't done in a while? A what's up with that guy? If you're new to the show and haven't gone back and listened to previous episodes, you may not know that I will sometimes do a segment where I pick a character from the Star Wars universe, typically a background character, and give you as much info on them as I can. Today I want to focus on none other than Boshek. Boshek comes to us from the Cantina scene in A New Hope, and if you've seen that movie, then you know who Boshek is, although you may not realize it. You also probably don't know his story, so here we go. Around the same time that Luke is getting harassed by Dr. Evazan and Panda Baba, or as I like to call them, Walrus Man and the Uglier Guy, Obi-Wan is looking for a pilot to take them on their hero's journey. We see Obi-Wan talking to a man in a black space suit with my dad's sideburns who motions to Chewbacca and then just walks away. That hunk of 70s sideburn action is Boshek. He had no speaking lines, and oddly enough, until about 2016, we didn't even know who brought that character to life. Talk about bad record-keeping, Jesus. Now we know Boshek was played by Basil Tomlin, and a more British name does not exist, if you ask me. As for the character of Boshek, well, his story seems to be growing more and more in the comics and the outlying media of the franchise, so here's what we know so far. Boshek is a human male from the same homeworld as Han Solo, Corellia. He was a pilot for hire and a smuggler who often transported spice on the Kessel Run, which we got to see in Solo. Boshek is responsible for introducing Obi-Wan to Chewie and consequently Han. And I have to think if he took the job on himself, Star Wars would have a very different feel to it. Honestly, I'm thankful he passed on the gig. In trying to make a name for himself, Boshek took on smuggling and espionage missions for the crime syndicate Black Sun. He racked up a considerable debt with Black Sun and Prince Shizor himself took notice of Boshek's account. That's not good. Boshak eventually lands a pretty sweet gig piloting starships for the Dimyu Monastery on Tatooine. Now, this monastery was a front for an illegal transponder slicing operation, so Boshak was moving stolen ships, basically. He'd bring in either a stolen ship or a smuggler ship, and the monk frontmen would basically wipe it off Imperial Records and give it a new identity. During his time with that operation, some of the actual Dimyu monks taught him about a mystical energy called the Force. Now, this fascinated Boshek, and in his free time, he decided to study this force and see what it was all about. He was even able to tap into the force just a little bit, and I wouldn't call him a force user so much as force sensitive. He could pick up on the presence of others. I mean, he wasn't lifting rocks while he hovered in a meditative state. He could just sense other force users, kind of like a spidey sense. And I'm sure the spidey sense was definitely tingling when Obi-Wan and Luke walked into the cantina that fateful day on Tatooine. Oh, and just in case you're wondering, while he was working for the Dimyu monks, Boshek found a rare and valuable statue during a job and delivered it to Prince Shizor, clearing his debt with the Black Sun. In sequel era stories, we see an older Boshek being rescued by a young hotshot pilot by the name of Poe Dameron. 
So that's a neat little link between eras. Other than that, there isn't much to tell about Boshek. As far as we know, his sideburns are still going strong out there in that galaxy far, far away. All right, now's as good a time as any to take a little break. And when we come back, I'm going to do what us Star Wars fans do best. You're not going to want to miss it. From Kenner's Star Wars collection comes the Stormtrooper, the Sand People, and all 20 action figures, including new Hammerhead, Snaggletooth, and more, each sold separately. And now, Boba Fett, Star Wars villain, with his laser rifle. Boba Fett is not yet available in stores, but you can get him free with four proofs of purchase from any Star Wars action figures. Details on specially marked packs at participating stores. Offer ends May 31st. Star Wars action figures sold separately from Kenner. All right, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the break. I know I did. I got a mysterious email from a Nigerian prince who needs my help. So I'll keep you guys posted. We'll see how this turns out. Now, we all know that as Star Wars fans, we like to complain. We like to pick things apart and bitch and moan about all the things we can't stand about the movies that we supposedly love. And we're really vocal about it. This isn't a new development. Don't get down on yourselves. Complaining has been a part of the Star Wars universe since the very beginning. Before the first movie was ever even released, the executives at 20th Century Fox had some pretty strange complaints about the reels George was turning in. Their big worry is Uncle George's over budget, over deadline, and on the verge of a mental meltdown was that, and I quote, the Wookiee has no pants. A note they sent back asked if George could perhaps put some lederhosen on the Wookiee. Wow. Now I see a version of A New Hope with Bo Sheck and Chewie as pilot and co-pilot, and the mental image of sideburns and lederhosen is overwhelming to say the least. The Star Wars Cinematic Universe is no stranger to complaints, gripes, and bitching from the fans. We've all done it, I've done it, and I'm going to do it again. Right now, actually, because today I want to have a little fun and give you my top 10 complaints about the Star Wars Cinematic Universe. But in order to be fair to everyone, since there are 11 films to deal with, my top 10 is now my top 11. Also, I'll list the movies in the order of release and go over my complaint for each one. And because my brain is broken, I can't seem to follow rules, even my own rules for my own show, so I have more than one answer for each film. <sighs> so out of my top 10, which is really my top 11, we could have 32 items, and that's my brain math. Welcome aboard. Now based on those guidelines, which seem to change on a whim, but it's my show, so I do what I want, we're starting with episode 4, A New Hope. For the sake of this conversation, I'm speaking of the most current version of the film, not the original theatrical release. And my biggest beef is the scene where Han Solo walks behind Jabba and steps on his tail. It looks rough. The CGI Jabba is rough. And it's out of character for Jabba, honestly, to allow that to happen. He's a notorious crime lord for shit's sake. He's not going to let someone put their feet on him like that. Now, obviously, most fans will jump to Greedo shooting first, and I agree with that. I voiced my opinion on that matter in a previous episode, and I don't have time to get that angry again. Nobody wants that. I also cringe at the little droid flying around the other droid that's carrying some kind of poles during the land speeder approach of Moss Eisley. In the late 90s, they released an action figure of that droid, and I have to say it's probably the worst action figure in the line. But I'm not complaining about toys right now. I'm complaining about movies. Mental note. Complain about action figures in a future episode. Anyway, the bigger droid drops the poles and spikes the little droid like a volleyball. And that's just weird. 
And honestly, I used to know the names of those droids, but this is information I've allowed myself to forget over the years. There isn't room in my brain for all this stuff anymore. To sum up, Episode 4 really suffers the most complaints because of the changes that took place in the 90s. There was just too much CGI reworking. Next up, The Empire Strikes Back. Now this movie's flawless in every way and no one should ever have a complaint about it. Ever. But if I have to come up with something to complain about, it would be, I guess, not enough Lobot. I mean, the CGI changes that were made didn't detract from the story at all. Um, it didn't change the movie, really. It just enhanced it. And I really can't come up with a big problem here. So not enough Lobot. Return of the Jedi. Okay, now's as good a time as any to let you all in on my creative process. When I come up with an idea for the show, I typically run it by a couple of people. Whether that be my kids or my poor wife or a good couple of friends, Andy and Travis, I usually shoot at least one of them a text for some initial feedback, and today's no different. So for The Return of the Jedi, Travis says that the removal of Yubnub, the song of joy from the Ewok species, is horseshit. Now, the reason behind changing that celebration scene was to show that the impact of the death of the Emperor and Vader affected the galaxy at large, not just Endor. But they didn't have to cut out Yubnub. They could have shown scenes from other planets and still played Yubnub. So, yeah, Travis, I have to agree with this one. Horseshit indeed. Next up, we kick off the prequel trilogy with The Phantom Menace. Now, my good buddy Andy says, not enough Ewoks. And that is true that there were no Ewoks in the movie, but I have to wonder what Andy expected to see going into this. Apparently, he expected to see Ewoks. I have to think, if Andy sat down in front of the Ewok movies today, he might change his tune and say, okay, enough with the damn Ewoks, but there you have it. Not enough Ewoks in The Phantom Menace. My personal complaint with The Phantom Menace is that I couldn't hear the first half of the movie because of my good buddy Andy. And this brings me to story time. When The Phantom Menace was released, I saw it twice on opening day. I saw it at midnight, and then I saw it a little later in the morning. And yes, I'm that crazy. Andy hadn't seen it yet, so I decided we should go see it together. Back then, we were broke bitches, and we would smuggle in our own drinks and, and snacks because no one had $70 for food. Um, we did, in fact, max a credit card at White Castle, if you know what White Castle is. So we go to the movies. We've got canned sodas in our pockets and boxes of candy in our pockets. We're ready to go. The lights dim. And I tell Andy, at the beginning of the movie, there's an explosion. So that's the good time to open your can. Here we go. The story progresses and said explosion happens. I open my at the exact right time. And Andy does something strange and kind of halfway opens his can and it starts to hiss. Um, and it hisses probably for 48 minutes while he struggles with opening this can. I thought there was a gas leak in the building. I wasn't sure what was happening. Once the can was open, Andy decided he needed a snack, and he had a box of some kind of candy. I can't remember what it was, gobstoppers, jawbreakers, I don't know. All I know is that we, they were spherical hard candies, because when he opened it, I guess he got a little spastic, I'm not sure. He was very excited, and the candies all spilled out and rolled. We sat in the back of the theater, I, I guess it's important to say this now. All these candies rolled toward the front of the theater like that Price is Right game Plinko. This went on for days. So between the opening of the can and the candy rolling towards the front of the theater, yeah, I, I don't know what happened the first half of that movie. Anyway, back to the complaints. 
Most people will obviously pick Jar Jar Binks as the main complaint, and I have to agree. I just can't bear to watch his scenes. I guess kids love him. I don't know. I, that's what I'm told. And Star Wars, and Star Wars is after all for kids. But I still don't care for Jar Jar. Also, Anakin is kind of a whiny little shit in this, right? Moving on. Attack of the Clones. Aside from the typical complaint that practical sets weren't being used nearly enough, I would have to say the portrayal of Anakin once again is my complaint. There's so much whining, and Hayden Christensen took a lot of heat for his role as Anakin, and I don't think that's fair at all. And we see another example of that later on with Rose Tico. These actors don't get to make the choice to play the role the way they want. They may have input, but when it comes right down to it, the director has final say. So it's really not their fault. All right, I have to pick up the pace or this 30-minute show is going to be an hour and a half. Revenge of the Sith. My son Andrew says it needed to be longer, and I honestly couldn't agree more. Anakin's turn seemed so easy. Things didn't go his way, and the Emperor was like, hey, come to the dark side. It might get better. And he was like, all right. The book did a much better job of bringing us along on his journey and everything that led to that moment. And I wish the film could have delivered the same emotional torture that Anakin was dealing with. But that would have meant a much longer movie. Revenge of the Sith, done. All right, The Force Awakens. Uh, the sequel trilogy. I could really get lost in a mountain of complaints here, but I'll do my best to keep it tight. My main gripe with The Force Awakens is that Chewie didn't get a hug after Han died. Leia hugged Rey, who she didn't even know, but Chewie got nothing. And I call bullshit. Even J.J. Abrams said, yeah, I screwed the pooch on that one. Of course, I'm paraphrasing, but damn it. The main complaint I've heard in fan discussion is that the movie's basically a retelling of A New Hope, and that rings true, too. I was so ready for a new adventure with new heroes and villains, but setting them into such a familiar storyline felt, I don't know, lazy. And now we have to make a weird jump to Rogue One, because this is when Disney was trying to poop out a movie every year, and they weren't doing trilogies all in a row. They were dumping in other stuff. So Rogue One it is. And I have to tell you, Rogue One is my favorite of the Disney films. But I still have complaints. I'm a Star Wars fan. In the trailer, there's a scene where Jyn Erso is on a platform, and she comes face to face with a hovering TIE fighter. It was visually incredible. And for whatever reason changed in the final version of the film. Also, Rogue One ends in such a manner, and spoiler alert here, that we can never really have a sequel. And I'd love to make my sequel joke. I'd love to be able to say Rogue Two Electric Boogaloo. Moving on to The Last Jedi. Now, if you know me at all, you're probably expecting me to unleash the hounds on this movie, but I'm not going to do that. The Last Jedi tore the fandom in half, and I think it's best to try and heal those wounds, so all I'm going to say here is the scene where Luke milks that creepy space sea cow thing and drinks it, and Rey has to break eye contact? What the actual shit? Also, the Canto bite scene was crap and unnecessary. Uh, this is also where I'll mention that Rose Tico is a weak character, and a lot of fans bitch about that, but I don't put that on Kelly Marie Tran. She took a lot of shit for that, and it simply isn't her fault. She was directed to play that role in that way, so let's leave her alone. Up next, Solo, a Star Wars story. Now, a lot of fans bitch that the film is too dark and try to accuse Ron Howard or whoever of hiding flaws in the movie with poor lighting. I don't buy into that. I personally don't have an issue with the lighting of the movie. I do, however, have an issue with the human Wookiee shower scene. It gives me impure thoughts, and I don't need that in my head. 
Also, Lady Proxima looks like a Jim Henson reject from the Dark Crystal. There, I said it. All right, finally, The Rise of Skywalker. J.J. Abrams had a lot to do in this movie, and he does his best. I honestly believe that. People will complain that the pacing of the movie is so hectic that you can't breathe, and that's not wrong. They'll also bitch about the Emperor returning, but if that was the plan all along, then so be it. My complaint is, there was no friggin' plan in the first place. The head honchos at Disney, and they know who they are, didn't have any clue as to how to tell a three-movie narrative, and so they let the director's chair get passed around and hope for the best. Also, not enough Ewoks. I got your back, Andy. So there you have it. My top 10, which is 11, but ended up being somewhere in the neighborhood of 26 complaints. See, I told you us fans love to complain. I bet you can think of even more than what I did. But that's all I have for today. If you agree or disagree, you can let me know on social media at The Force of Course on Facebook and Instagram. You can also email the show at theforceofcourse77 at gmail.com and it could pay for you to do that. Now, why do I say that? Because I ordered stickers and the first five people to email the show will get a free sticker. All I need is for you to mention the sticker offer in the header of the email. I have the final product in hand and they look pretty good. Don't forget to check out the Disney Gallery episode dropping tomorrow on the 25th. I'm sure it's going to be awesome. Until next time, this has been The Force, of course. My name is Ted, and as always, play with your toys. <laughs>